Um, the man writing the letter called Paul is basically writing this bit to tell them to stop it um, and to focus on what's really important. So the passage is Romans 15, um, 1 to 7, if you have um, Bibles with you. If you don't, then the verses will appear on the screen. It says, We who are strong have an obligation to bear with the failings of the weak and not to please ourselves. Let each of us please his neighbor for his good to build him up. For Christ did not please himself, but as it is written, the reproaches of those who reproached you fell on me. For whatever was written in the former days was written for our instruction, that through the endurance and through the encouragement of the scriptures, we might have hope. May the God of endurance and encouragement grant you to live in such harmony with one another, in accord with Christ Jesus, that together you may with one voice glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, welcome one another as Christ has welcomed you for the glory of God. Now, we're going to look at a few ideas in this passage, but the main verse that I want um, to focus on um, is just this verse at the end, verse 7, that says, Therefore, welcome one another as Christ has welcomed you for the glory of God. Have you ever thought about the idea that you were made to be needy? You at your fullest self and you at your freest self are an utterly dependent being. And I'm not just talking about being physically dependent, although don't we see that um, dependency so much in our physical need? After thousands of years of human development, scientific advancement, three days without a glass of water and the richest man and the poorest man are both equally weak. But just as, we, just as you were made to need food and water, sustenance that come from outside of yourself, you were designed to be dependent on acceptance that comes from outside of yourself. You were designed to know, I am wanted, I am loved, I am home. Or to use a different word, you need to be welcomed. You are like a deep well that can only be filled when you know the kind of welcome that you were made for. Now, this is a strange to, idea to us if when we hear the word welcome, we think of doormats or the person saying hello at the door when we come into church, however good that welcome may be. A biblical definition of welcome and the, uh, the definition of welcome that we have in this verse, it says welcome one another, goes much deeper than that. If I were to welcome you in the way that the Bible means in this passage, I would bring you to myself. I would make you feel like this is where you belong. I would see you as you are, and I would accept you as you are. And to know those things is a non-negotiable need of the human heart. It shouldn't be a surprise to us that we were made to be interdependent, not independent, because we were made in the image of a God who is not independent, but interdependent. He is not solitary, he is a relationship. He didn't become loving when he had a creation to love, he has always been pouring out love within his three persons. If welcome means to bring to oneself, then the Father has always, in eternity, been welcoming the Son through the Spirit. This can be tricky to get our heads around, so it's pretty helpful that the Son became a human man so that we can see a window into this relationship between the Father and the Son, how they've related through all eternity. When Jesus got baptized, the sky opened, 
and an audible voice from heaven said, you are my beloved son, with you I am well pleased. What a statement of acceptance. What a statement of welcome. You are my son, in you I am well pleased. You were created in the image of this God who said, I'm going to make people who reflect me, not by being solitary, not by being on their own, but by welcoming one another. Because this need for welcome and this well that we have is so deep, and because the world is a broken place and we are, in lots of ways, broken people, although being put back together, our search for this kind of welcome and acceptance often causes us some problems, which I think is, to put it lightly, it actually causes us significant pain. <laughs> um, as one example, no one is going to be unfamiliar with the idea that social media causes some problems when it comes to our search for acceptance. The um, instantaneous, addictive access that social media gives us to the opinion and the potential approval of others taps into our deep longing for our welcome wells to be filled. I think this is most starkly exemplified in my life um, by the noughties social media phenomenon, Bebo. <laughs> now, I want to find out if this is like a totally irrelevant example, because people have no idea what I'm talking about, but I spent hours on this website, like perfecting my page. And if you have been on Bebo in your distant past, the strangest thing about this site was that you literally ranked your favorite friends by number and then displayed it on your page. If that doesn't scream like, accept me, then I don't know what does. Also on this site, you could send this like, um, this is actually a bit embarrassing now that I'm talking about it. Um, you could send this like one love every day to someone, yeah? Thank you so much. <laughs> I won't lie, I felt pretty good when I got my love for the day. Um, <laughs> but the problem with trying to fill up our wells with social media is, what am I gonna do today to mean that I get the same feeling that that little red heart gave me yesterday? That was a little while ago, but I think that um, we treat Instagram this way, for example. I don't think it's 100 miles away from that. It hurts because I don't think it's ever enough. We have to keep up. We have to give people a slightly newer version of ourselves in order to receive new affirmation. And isn't it exhausting to have to be new every day? Another way that this plays out is in um, relationships or in interactions with other people in which we just want to feel wanted, or we just want to feel needed, and then later on feel kind of empty, because what we hoped would satisfy us has faded really fast, and it turns out it was like pouring a shot glass of water into that deep well. And if that's not a physical thing, then it's an emotional thing, and that's certainly been the case for me. Through the years, I think the most pain that I've caused other people and certainly the most pain that I've caused myself has been when I've used other people to desperately try and fill this longing to be affirmed, to be welcomed, and to belong. These are just a couple of examples, but I can see elements of this dynamic play out in almost every element of my life. At work, 
in my friendships, when I'm meeting new people, and I wonder, is this person going to welcome me in the hope in that way I hope that they will. Looking for acceptance in these places and from the world around us hurts us because we find that it doesn't work. It doesn't satisfy us. It doesn't fill up this deep well that we have. And because of the pain of rejection and of being misunderstood, the pain of disappointment, often we decide to protect ourselves by needing less love. We decide we're going to be less dependent on being accepted, on being wanted, or on being loved, or on finding somewhere we belong, and we become content with being a shallow well. But the answer isn't to need less, because remember, we were made to need these things. This was um, a God-given design of your heart. So the answer is to embrace the one who says, whoever drinks of the water that I will give him will never be thirsty again. The one who says, if you keep looking to be satisfied by the water that the world can offer, or by the acceptance that the world can offer, or by the love that the world can offer, you're going to be thirsty again really fast. But I will give you living water that satisfies fully. The welcome of Jesus is the answer to the deepest longing of the human heart. But what is this living water, and what does Jesus welcome us into? Remember that the word here literally means to bring to oneself. He has brought us to himself, not just to be with us, although wouldn't that in itself have been enough? No, he has brought us to be found in him, and for him to be found in us. And us being found in him to be brought into the same relationship with the father that he has. A few months ago, I was reading that story of Jesus' baptism. And I got to those words, you are my beloved son, with you I'm well pleased. And I must have read those words like 200 times before, probably 1,000 times before. But God really spoke to me in that moment and I knew that what the Father says to the Son is what the Father says to me. If you want to know more of the welcome of Jesus, then ask him to fill you with his Spirit, because the Spirit loves to remind us of the welcome of Jesus. He loves to remind us that we are adopted into the family of God. The Bible says that through the Spirit, we know that deep down, we have been welcomed by the Father, and another way that we can know the welcome of Jesus is to root ourselves in this book. Read it over and over again, because there will be times when, just like I was, you've read something a hundred times, but God just grabs you, and you know something in a new way. And again, that's his spirit at work in you. So back to our verse. Therefore, welcome one another as Christ has welcomed you for the glory of God. So we've seen how Christ has welcomed us, how he has brought us to himself. The verse says, just as Christ has received us and brought us to himself, so we should, too should receive one another. How on earth do we do that? This is how we welcome one another. We know, because of Jesus' welcome, the voice of the Father that says, you are my son. You are my daughter, and I'm pleased with you. 
We know it when we wake up. We know it when we go to sleep. We know it when we go to work. We know it when we come to church. And when we come to church, the person in front of us isn't an opportunity to satisfy our own longing for welcome. They are an opportunity to overflow with the welcome of Jesus. Earlier in this passage, it says, we have an obligation not to please ourselves, but to please our neighbor for their good. When we know that we don't need to please ourselves because all our needs are met in him, it's much easier to look to please others and to meet the needs of others. It's a bit like when you go for a meal, maybe a group meal, I'm going to go with tapas in this example because I've been talking about tapas all day. I don't want to uh, cast aspersions, but you might have the thought, if you were particularly hungry, how can I eat the maximum amount of food here without looking greedy? (laughs) Yeah? (laughs) But then um, later on in the meal, maybe when you've reached some more of your capacity, Suddenly, you find this generosity rising up within yourself. And the chicken wings you've been hiding behind your napkin suddenly emerge and are being offered around the table. When we are full and satisfied, we are able to give abundantly and generously. When we know the welcome of Jesus, then and only then are we able to welcome others in the same way that he has welcomed us. But if it's all about his welcome, his love, his acceptance, why is the way that we welcome one another so important, or actually important at all? It's because what our welcome to one another can do and must do is demonstrate and point back to the welcome of Jesus. It's so much more than a case of, we know Jesus, Jesus is really nice, So he makes us really nice, and then we're really nice to other people. I had um, a friend who came to Grace Church for months before she knew Jesus for herself. And she would say to me, she'd say, I can't believe how nice you all are. And she said it all the the time, like she thought it was um, a coincidence that all of these nice people happened to be in the same place at the same time. Um, And one time I was out for lunch with her, and I said, we're not actually just nice people. We are people who have been changed by Jesus, people who are able to treat others a bit like how he has treated us. And I guess what I was saying to her was we are able to welcome one another as Christ has welcomed us. Because he has welcomed us individually and as a people, a body into himself, when we welcome one another, a profound thing is happening when we offer a genuine acceptance and a genuine love, when we in our own strength, not in our own strength, (laughs) it's important, (laughs) but but through him and through his spirit in us, look past our differences, even our disagreements, like the food issues in this passage, we are preaching the welcome of Christ to one another every day. Remember the verse says, therefore welcome one another as Christ has welcomed you for the glory of God. How does our welcome to one another glorify God? Because it doesn't bring people to ourselves, it brings people to him. It says, look, this is what he is like. A welcome to one another isn't the end goal, it points to the goal, points to him. When that friend that I was talking about did become a Christian, started following Jesus herself, 
Sometime later, she said to me, um, she's like, I, I get it now. I get what you were trying to do. I get what you were doing in the way that you treated me. And I want to thank you for being so patient when I didn't understand. And um, last year, I was doing some training on um, welcome and um, for a team, I think. And I asked her to describe her experience of being welcomed by the church. And this is what she said. She said, at first, sitting on the outside and witnessing it all was enough. When it comes to experiencing church for yourself, it can seem out of reach. But actually, that's when the church family comes in, letting you run, but always waiting for you to come back, letting you fight and push away, but giving you polite nudges in the right direction, which is nice of her. <laughs> Having you over for lunch, holding you to cry, making you laugh, creating memories, being as useful as possible, praying for you, worshipping with you until you're hysterically laughing or crying without actually knowing why. No matter where you've come from or how you got there, becoming part of the family is life-changing. He's chosen his church to show the world what his welcome is like. The way we welcome one another within the body of Christ is a visible authentication of the gospel. Jesus said, the world will know that you're my disciples by the way you love one another. The end goal of all our welcoming of one another is to point to the welcome we receive in Jesus. And that was the case for this friend. She began by wondering what all this niceness was about. And then it ushered her into a whole new life. Now, if you're thinking this sounds great, but how do I actually live like this? Then one clue is in that message from my friend that I read out, um, having you over for lunch. <laughs> Next week, we're going to hear a little bit more about hospitality, but I can't help myself, so I'm just going to talk a little bit. <laughs> having people in our homes and having meals with people is a spiritual thing. Meals are a spiritual thing. And they're so closely linked with welcome in the Bible. So many of the passages that we um, think of when we think of Jesus' most famous teaching happened over food and drink. The wedding at Cana, the woman at the well, feeding of 5,000, the last supper, breakfast on the beach. We have to eat three times a day. So that's three opportunities a day to welcome those around us to our tables. Another way that we can practically live out welcoming one another as Christ has welcomed us is by embracing the knowledge that you are a frustrating person. You are frustrating to be around sometimes. There are things that you do that will rub people up the wrong way. You will misunderstand people, and that will sometimes cause you pain. That will sometimes cause them pain. In the same way, other people will inevitably frustrate you. You will be misunderstood. We are nice people when we're on our own but sometimes less so when our sin and selfishness interacts with the sin and selfishness of other people. This letter was written to a congregation that were getting on each other's nerves. That's my read of it, <laughs> from all my studying. <laughs> it's important we acknowledge that sometimes it's quite difficult to welcome people as Christ has welcomed us, even when he's living inside of us, because if we expect it to be easy, we will give up when it's difficult. 
Let's be people who are so quick to forgive and so quick to believe the best in one another because God gets glory when we welcome people who we'd naturally have nothing in common with but through his gospel are now our family. And as a family, as, the, as this verse says earlier in this passage, we now together with one voice glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Hannah, could you come up? <laughs> when our welcome looks like this, our welcome of one another is radical because it reflects the welcome of the radical one the one who calls us home, the one who fills us up, and now who offers his invitation through us to a thirsty world. I'm going to pray for us, and then we're going to sing a song, and then we'll see what happens. (laughs) Jesus, I thank you so much for your welcome. Thank you for bringing us in. I thank you for filling us up. Pray that we would be able to make your character known to one another in the way that we love one another. We need your help, Jesus, to live like this, to look like you, to overcome the conflict that arises in us. Pray that you would Help us to show the world what you're like. Pray that you would set us free when we search after things that do not satisfy. I pray that we would know our freedom, our fullness in you, Jesus. Amen.